Welcome to Absolute Beginners. Uh, this is our inaugural podcast episode. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about things we're learning and what we find interesting about it. And if you're listening, we hope you can follow along and hopefully some of the things that we talk about will be interesting and will spark some interesting ideas for you. Right now, we're interested in game development. Maybe we'll be studying that for a long time. Maybe it'll be a short time, but we're hoping to probe it a little bit. And as the name suggests, we are absolute beginners. So you want to go and introduce yourself, John? Thank you. Yes, I'm John, and I'm going to be joining my friend Finn on some adventures, being an absolute beginner. Something I like to be. Should be fun to talk about it. So I, uh, I work in product in tech in the city of San Francisco. So I'm always learning new things. I learn a lot of stuff on the job. And John and I have been talking about learning about game development over the last couple of months. It's something we've been interested in. Neither of us knows much about it, but we're interested. Um, I think, John, you've been explaining some of the more visual and sort of designy aspects of it. Um, I've been interested maybe in a little bit more of the tech aspect because I'm a hobbyist developer myself on the side. And so I thought, what better way to learn than to go through what we're learning and teach other people as we go along. Sounds good. So for this, I think uh, for this game development uh, project, you suggested we get a textbook. So for anybody who's listening, we have been starting off with learning C-sharp by developing games with Unity 2021, which is published by a company called Pact, P-A-C-K-T. Author is Harrison Ferrone who seems like a really cool guy. He's also in um, a Discord chat. So if, if you do get the book, you can join his Discord and follow along. Um, and I think, John, you can also tell us a little bit about some of the Unity tutorials that you found online. It was kind of funny because I, I think I suggested this book at some point and then still haven't cracked it open. Uh, but I've been, <laughs> do- uh, but I've been doing, um, I've been going through certain, uh, arrangements of short tutorials that are available on the unity website. Uh, and so I've kind of been doing that and, uh, having a lot of fun, you know, making little, little toy projects and, you know, doing little things and it's been entertaining. So I thought today we could talk about, yeah, like where we're coming from, what we're interested in and the progress we've made over the last couple of weeks. We haven't, we haven't spent very much time on this either of us a couple of weeks. So explaining where we're coming from, which is really, truly absolute beginners. And then uh, the progress we've made, me more with a book, a little bit with the tutorials, you more with the tutorials. Um, Then we could wrap up talking about um, some things, some interesting ideas that we want to explore with games. And I think you've got some cool ideas you want to discuss. And then hopefully we can meet every two weeks, discuss our progress. And my dream is that this could serve as sort of breadcrumbs for anybody else who comes along after us. So if you are trying to learn game development and you think that it's over your head because you're not technical enough or not um, creative enough, you don't have enough of an artistic background, have no fear because I am definitely none of those things. And so if I can learn some of this, then hopefully I can lead the way for you. Definitely. I'm neither an artist nor an engineer. If I can make a good bit of progress, then uh, probably anybody can. Yeah. So do you, maybe we could start off with, um, like, yeah, just explaining that. Like I, I literally, so my background is, um, I mean, I've done a lot of things, but, um, for the past decade or so, I've been working at tech in San Francisco. I'm not an engineer myself. I do work with engineers 
I know some coding because of side projects that I work on on my own. So I'm fairly familiar with some basic coding concepts, but I don't do it as my day job. I definitely am not a designer, so it's something I want to learn more about. And I'm absolutely not an artist, but something that I'm curious about. Um, I'm not a huge gamer myself. I do play some video games, um, but I wouldn't call myself like a hardcore gamer. I haven't ever built my own gaming PC or anything like that. So for me, a lot of this stuff will be new. Some of the programming stuff may be familiar, and I hope maybe I can explain some of those concepts, but they might be familiar to you. John, you don't have any background in maybe more on the artistic stuff. I don't know. Um, but I don't think you have as much of a technical background on this, right? That's right. I don't have any background coding or uh, or anything like that. Um, and I, I don't actually have any, um, you know, uh, 2D or 3D art background at all. Um, I've done a little bit of things in audio. I'm a, on a teaching postdoc. Uh, philosophy is my, my field. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I studied um, logic a bit um, in the philosophical context, but I'm just learning super, super basic, you know, um, put the semicolon after <laughs> after each block and that that, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'm blo- actually kind of blocks, I, right? Is that? Code blocks. Yeah, blocks. Yeah, that's right. Actually, it's, it's funny you brought that up because I'm actually kind of learning the same lessons um, myself. Um, the language that I'm familiar with, the most the most familiar with is JavaScript, um, which I've always heard is sort of, I don't know what the proper word for it is, but it's kind of loosey-goosey. Like you can be a little bit fast and loose with the way you write <laughs> JavaScript a little bit. And uh, I've never quite understood what that meant. I have to sort of take people's word for it when they tell me, like, you know, sort of like uh, more disciplined people, like I can tell are like, ah, JavaScript. And um, so I'm excited to find out how JavaScript is like a little bit, less organized in other languages because very quickly I'm discovering, at least within Unity, I suspect within C-sharp at large. For example, I've left semicolons off the ends of lines and it just, the code doesn't run. (laughs) And Mm. in JavaScript, well, yeah, semicolons are great, but also you can leave them out sometimes and whatever, it runs. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm kind of going through some, it'll be a good experience for me to learn actually like, oh, that's what real coding looks like. Good, okay. Yeah, I mean, I could talk, uh, I could talk about it a lot, but we we don't need to get into it here. I'm sure it will come up as we're going through this. I can give you little tidbits about like, oh, in JavaScript, it's like this. Um, So, I mean, there's a couple of things that I've noticed that are right off the bat, like, oh, okay, this is stricter. Than JavaScript. Um, JavaScript, if, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with it, it's the um, the programming language that's like the granddaddy of, well, it, it is the programming language that's built into modern web browsers. So it started, I think, in the 90s. Um, the, the internet is written in HTML. Then there's a language called CSS or a structure called CSS. I don't know if it's a language exactly um, for designing web pages. So HTML is what's on the page. CSS is how it looks. And then JavaScript is a programmatic language, which means that you can sort of manipulate things on the page after the page loads based on certain events. So it's an actual fully developed programming language. It just runs only within the browser. In the last decade, there, you know, there have been ways to use JavaScript outside of the browser, but mainly that's it. It's, it's, it's the programming language that manipulates web pages that you've seen. So anyway, that's JavaScript. I'm familiar with it. I'm excited to learn something more robust. Awesome. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, it's fun to, it, 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 even in the small exercises I've done so far, it's been fun to, uh, imagine something and, you know, be able to write something out in, in, in a strange language that makes computers do things, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think that, that I totally recommend this so far to anybody. If you have any interest and, and you have time, maybe we can start diving into this, like what we've done so far. But I, I really, yeah, I totally agree. Like the, the benefit of this experience is you can learn about design, you can learn about games, you can learn about the creative aspect of it, and you can learn the coding aspect of it. And the nice thing is, if you tackle some programming languages, you're not going to see a lot of payoff for a while sometimes, because you have to learn a lot of stuff before you can do anything that anybody cares about. Um, but with this, it seems pretty cool. You can take maybe code that other people have written and modify it a little bit and make something visual on the screen happen. So I'm excited to play around with it. Me too. So yeah, why don't we um, dive in? Um, like I said, the, the text we've been using is called Learning C Sharp, which is a programming language. Uh, learning C Sharp, Sharp is like the pound sign. So C Sharp by developing games with Unity 2021. Unity, if you're not familiar with it, is a game engine, which means it helps you build games. It takes care of a lot of the things like the physics of the game. Um, and the author of the book that we're using is called is name is um, Harrison Ferrone, so F-E-R-R-O-N-E. Really nice guy. Um, but I don't know. Do you do you want to tell people about the tutorials you've been using and what you've been able to do with it? Awesome. Yeah. So if you go to, uh, I think it's learn.unity.com, um, which is um, uh, linked all over the place from you know any. Once you find your way into the kind of ecosystem of Unity websites, you, you can easily find it. Um, but yeah, there's it, it looks like there's just tons and tons of tutorials, and you can search for them by uh, by keyword or whatever. But also uh, perfect for the absolute beginner. There's uh, a few uh, kind of pathways. I think that they're called they call them, um, and it's a it's a kind of curated sort of step by step series of tutorials that kind of takes you from, you know, um, you know, turn your computer on <laughs> like all of, all of that kind of stuff, which is, you know, I, I appreciate when people start at the beginning. Um, I'm a manual reader. Uh, yeah. So it takes you all the way from that to, um, it, it won't be long and then you're doing all kinds of different things. Um, so I recommend that as well. Um, and I, I can, uh, I can certify that it is absolute beginner appropriate, uh, for the most part. Although if we notice any little things that confused us, we'll try to mention them here together with whatever solution we found. Did you, so did you, I, I remember, so I went, I tried going through the tutorials. I told you previously, like, I did find it a little bit confusing. There was like this whole thing where it was like, if you think you're ready, then skip to step six. If not, go to step four. And um, so I, I found that a little bit confusing. I ended up sort of like jumping around a little bit. Um, one of the things I did was I tried out one of their mini games. Did you do any of the mini games? I did. I did. I did. Okay, the, which one did you do? I did the cart mini game. Me too. Which one? Okay. Oh, you did the cart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you want to tell people what the cart mini game is and what the point of doing it is? Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of the really, really early, like earlier than early, like right at the beginning. Um, uh, they sort of drop you into something fun to kind of get you excited. And w what the exercise is, is you 
there's a series of pre-built, you know, little mini video games. There's one that represents each of a variety of styles. There's a kind of driving sort of cart game. There's a first person shooter game. There's a, you know, there's another few, there's a Lego game. So you pick one and you download it and then you can load it up and all of a sudden you're kind of right at the begin, you know, you're right in the, in the guts of a, of a, of a, you know, a pretty thoroughly put together project. And I'm trying to remember what is it that they have you do in the mini game? Yeah. So let me, let me back up. So if you're listening to this, um, so as I mentioned, unity is a game engine, which means that it's, it, how it allows you to sort of, it takes care of like the physics and the, like the staging of the game and all of that sort of stuff. And so within unity, you can use C sharp, which is a programming language to create objects and define values and define what happens if to those things. So like this ball is twice as heavy as this other thing over here. And if you touch it, it bounces straight up. I don't know, something like that. Um, when you download Unity, you're going to download two things. There's the Unity Hub and Unity, the editor, right? Um, That's right. Okay. So the Hub it was a little bit confusing for me initially. The Hub is like this container for all of your Unity projects. And the idea is you might be working on let's say a cart game and then you've got like an RPG that you're working on and you're working on some first person shooter game and you can hold all of them in the unity hub. And it's kind of helpful because you can have different versions of unity for each game and you can have different settings and the hub will just remember all that stuff. So when you load it up, it just loads up unity with all the settings you need. The unity editor is actually like, it's super cool. It's like, it looks like your, yeah, it kind of looks like it's this like mix between like an uh, airplane uh, cockpit and like a film studio and um, in, in programming IDE. So there's like a lot of cool things to play around with. And you literally see like a picture of what the game looks like. Um, so yeah, the, the cart game is literally this like simple 3d cart game. So you like have a go-kart that runs around a track and you, the mini game is like, it, there are these little pop-ups and it's like, drive your cart around the track. And then I forget what they have you do. I think they have you add an, a, a ramp initially. That's right. Yeah. You add a ramp yeah. and you can kind of test out the physics of the car. Yeah, so you can add you can add objects. So they give you like little tool tips. So I totally recommend going through. I'm not I'm not going to bore people by telling you all the mini game because the point is it's it's simple. Um, it gives you a feeling of what the possibilities of a game would be, um, and then that you can change the physics of the game. Like you could flip one of the objects over and then play the game. And it's like, okay, well, the cart, the ramp doesn't work very well if it's flipped over, <laughs> for example. That's what I, I did. I flipped the ramp over and I was like, I don't know what happens. And it's like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't work as a ramp. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, useful introduction to how the, the editor works. Yeah, definitely. Oh, also, I think you, you put out cones. Um, I may not have gotten that far. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's possible. I don't know, but yeah, I, I thought I thought the mini games were cool. 
thought it was a uh, cool introduction. So if, if you get that far, um, the, yeah, the online tutorials will sort of guide you through everything. So if you're confused about what to do in the tutorials, if you get to the mini game section, just hit one of them. And like John said, it will download it and then play around with it. it you can't really can't mess it up. Um, the tool tips will sort of guide you through different things to do. Yeah, definitely. So you did a uh, mini game and then you continued on or did you just sort of play around on your own with stuff? I continued on. I kind of, I, yeah, I used a very step by step patient rule following. Yeah, approaching. Uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's working pretty good. I mean, I don't, I didn't have, uh, you know, any any particular expertise. I did uh, w- one thing also for the absolute beginner. If you're interested in learning as an absolute beginner, um, you, you know, something like this. Um, one thing that might be useful is to do a little bit of additional learning about the scripting language that you use. So in, in this unity uh, software, uh, C sharp is the, is, is what you use. So I took a little time before jumping into the unity editor. I took a little bit of time to kind of go through some tutorials on the Microsoft website about C sharp. And again, they, they have a a number of tutorials that are, you know, (laughs) from the beginning, like, you know, go to this link to download, you know, the IDE or, you know, the, or the program in which you can write C-sharp code and execute it. Did you think that was, I mean, yeah, I really don't know. Did you think that was super, like, that was necessary? Or do you think you could go through some of the early Unity tutorials without really understanding anything about C-sharp? I think you, you definitely don't need to do some, you know, special preparation with C-sharp. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think so. Although I did, I did have a good time. I, you know, I did have a good yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I I like it, but I yeah I kind of um, yeah I wonder I I feel like it's not necessary to really know like I feel like you could go through a lot of so if you go through the so my impression is if you go through the online Unity tutorials it's very sort of visually focused and very point and click and try it out so like click on the ball and then click over here and change this value to five and see what happens to the ball. And it's all within the Unity editor, and you don't actually need to code anything. Whereas if you take Harrison's book, Learning C-Sharp by Developing Games with Unity, uh, he starts out a little bit more with the interaction between C-Sharp and the the C-Sharp, the programming language, and the Unity editor. But it doesn't seem like you need C-Sharp immediately. If you just want to get a feel for like, oh, okay, what is what do you do with all this stuff? You can go through the tutorials and I don't like, don't worry. Basically what I'm saying is if you're listening, don't worry about if you're like, I don't know, man, programming languages. That sounds, that sounds intense. Like I'm not a coder. I would say don't, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. That's my impression. Yeah. Don't sweat it at all. Yeah. I don't think it's a big deal. You'll get there when you get there and like really don't, yeah, don't worry about it. and then you'll learn when you actually start programming, a lot of it is you can just copy and paste other people's code and, <laughs> and like figure out, you know, oh man, if I change that to zero, it kind of does something that I want, but not really. Hmm. <laughs> Let me Google it. So don't, don't sweat it, basically. Um, you'll get there when you get there. Absolutely. And uh, even, even if you, um, for all of the like really basic stuff, I think that you, you might want a super simple game to do, you know, like, I move, um, you know, I move my, you know, the left stick on my controller and the character moves around or, you know, I hit the left button and the right button on my keyboard and the, and the 
character moves around um, or I, you know, mm-hmm. push a button and they jump. All of those things you can totally Google like, um, you know, Unity script yeah. to make my character jump. And there's a yeah, bunch yeah, of people yeah. that will have things that you can just kind of cut and paste. And Which, as a side note, is incredible. Like, I, like what a time to be alive. Like, just that the, this book exists is fantastic. But then the fact that there's like literally like, if you buy the book, there's a Discord community you can join. So like I, I had questions about the book and, and I asked and the author of the book is like literally chatting with me to answer the questions. So like, okay, great. You know, what a fantastic, like, I don't know. We're not little kids anymore, but when we were, that definitely was an option. So I just feel really grateful for all the people who provide all this free information. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Wow. You're like, you're like talking to the author. I mean, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. You live a glamorous yeah. life. I know, right? Isn't this so cool? Like, I feel like, yeah. Anyway, when I was in high school, that didn't exist, and I'm so. If you're in high school, please take advantage of it. Um, when we were in high so school, yeah, you, you had to look things up in a in a book dictionary. Yeah, I know exactly. Like, if if this had been the textbook, and I have like ran into any sort of roadblock, it would have been like, I guess I'm done. <laughs> That's it. That's my gaming career. It stopped at chapter three. Um, okay, so you've been going through the online tutorials. So, do you mind if I tell you about what I've been doing? Please, please. Okay, so as I mentioned, I found the Unity tutorials a little bit confusing, not in what they offered, but in the sequencing. So maybe that's just because I wasn't paying attention. What I did find really cool was, and I don't know if this was the proper sequence, so I, I went through the mini game, and then I ended up in some section where it was like interviews with people who use Unity. Right. Um, so, which is obviously kind of like a commercial for Unit. Unity is a company, if, if you're unaware, it's like a for-profit company that produces this thing. Um, so God bless them. And, you know, they're trying to hype themselves up and that's great. Um, but I thought it was actually cool. So I, lo- I went through and I looked up, so I like hit pause on the video every time a new person came on the screen, I looked them up. So I'll, I'll share it later. Um, so whenever we publish this, I'll, I'll share the links to all the people that are in the Unity video so you don't have to spend all the time Googling them. Some of them are very cool. Um, there are people who do like VR, I can't remember them, their names off the top of my head, so I'm not going to try. Um, VR videos, like uh, separate, like non-gaming videos and like music videos and things like that. Um, there's one guy who made this very beautiful looking game about a fox trying to reunite with its mother. Did you see that? I totally saw that. I didn't, I didn't check out the game, but I want to. It, it looks really yeah. beautiful. It looks amazing. I, I haven't I haven't checked out the game. I totally want to check it out. But it, it, it they do a good job because it, it's very inspiring. I was like, yeah, man, I want to be like these people. I want to hang out with them. They seem cool. <laughs> like, like they're smart. They're artistic. Um, so I'll, I'll share the links to all those people. So I would just say, if you get to that point, don't don't worry. I've got all the notes. You can look them up. You can find them on Twitter, their LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever. I try to find everything I could. Um, where was I going to go with that? Anyway, they just seem cool. It'll help me also, however far I get with this, will at least help me appreciate what they've done. So that's awesome. Um, Yeah, so I went through um, those videos. That was cool. I did the mini games. I didn't get very far with the actual like tutorials. So in the next couple of weeks, so maybe next time we meet, hopefully I'll make some progress with that. What I did do is I I opened up the book we're using. I went through, I think, the first three chapters. Um, so, yeah, do you mind if I just run through what you can get yeah, on? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a great book. Totally cool. Um, 
first chapter, Harrison, like you were saying, it's, the beautiful thing is he doesn't expect you to know anything. So it's literally like, here's where you download the software you need. Here's what the Unity Hub is. Here's what the Unity Editor is. Um, here's where all your files live, all that sort of thing. Um, and then he, I think it's chapter two, maybe in chapter one even, he guides you through um, opening up a C-sharp file within. So the three pieces of software that you'll be using are Unity Hub, which as I said, is like this sort of container for all of your Unity projects. Then the Unity Editor, which is allows you to edit a Unity project, so the game, a single game at a time. And the third piece of software is for actually writing the code, the C-sharp code. Um, and that um, was actually a little bit, so I had a question about this and I, I was able to answer the question in Discord. So that, that was fantastic. So um, Harrison references a piece of software called Visual Studio, which is owned by Microsoft. I myself, in my own, as I mentioned, my own little side projects that I do with like Node.js and, and Python, I use something called uh, Visual Studio Code or VS Code. So they're, they're slightly different. Uh, VS Code is an editor. It basically allows you to just write code. Really, it's just like the code on the screen and it highlights things and there's lots of plugins. It's an amazing piece of software. I totally recommend it. Um, Harrison references Visual Studio, which is like a more built out, what's called an IDE, um, when I think stands for Inter Interactive Development Environment. I think that's what IDE stands for. Is that right? I, I thought it was maybe Integrated Development Environment. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can look it up right now. Okay, well, in any case, IDE. Um, so Visual Studio is an IDE. So I, I wasn't sure what he meant, whether he meant Visual Studio, which is an IDE, or VS Code, um, which is like a more lightweight thing that just is like a code editor. Um, so I asked in the Discord, um, he did mean Visual Studio. So if you're reading the book, he means a bigger thing, but it's not necessary, actually. It's, um, he, um, there was a little bit of a discussion in the Discord chat about this. It's, it's not necessary. Um, Visual Studio runs a little bit slow on my machine. Um, I'm, I have a, an old MacBook Air, so it's always kind of wheezing when I open up big things. Um, so you can just use Visual Studio Code if you just if you want to. A lot of the, the what uh, Visual Studio offers is like debugging, but you can kind of debug in the Unity Editor, so don't worry about it. Anyway, um, other than that, yeah, the book guides you through um, opening up a file within the Unity Editor, changing some of the values. So like changing this variable is 25, change it to 40. Okay, and then see what happens. Um, yeah, I think that was super straightforward, um, really clear. I still find the play mode versus, I forget what the other mode is, pause mode or edit mode. I don't know oh, what it's called. Oh, scene, uh, scene view or edit mode or... I think it's top... Yeah, up at the top of the editor, there's like a play button and right. a stop button or a pause button. Right. I found it a little bit confusing, um, and this might be a Unity thing or a me being slow to understand thing. But like, like if you hit play, it it pulls in I think the variable values from the C sharp file. Yeah, it like builds and runs whatever game you have. Setup so far, I think, is what the play button does. In the and, the, and then before you actually hit play again, 
So play does two things. It puts you into play mode and then it plays the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so when you like queue up the game, it pulls whatever's like written down. And then before you actually run it, you have the opportunity to sort of manually manipulate some of the values. So you could say like, oh, actually, I know this C-sharp file says that this variable is 25. I'm just going to manually change it here in the editor to like 50. And then you hit play and it will go off of whatever you've just changed it to. So anyway, if you're listening and you found that confusing, like you were, I say this because I was editing things in the editor and then I would go to play mode and it would erase everything I had just put into the editor. Um, that's because it's pulling from the C-sharp file. So if you right. run into that, you're not alone. Don't worry about it. You'll get used to it. Yeah, that's right. Any values that you can change in the in like in the inspector in the Unity editor, you can change those values on the fly while the game's running and kind of see what it does. But as soon as you hit the play button again and like exit out of the mode where you're actually playing the game and you're back in the mode where you're just kind of building it and, you know, positioning things and editing scripts. Once you do that, none of the changes you made while the game was running are saved. You have to kind of just remember what they were. And then if you yeah. enter them in the inspector while it's not in play mode, those do save and, and are, you know. Right, okay. Okay, but so you're right, yeah, it is a weird thing. It seems like there's kind of like three modes, actually. There's like editing, there's sort of like ready to play, and there's actually playing. I don't know. Is that right? I don't know what Unity calls them. Yeah, I'm not sure. What's the difference between editing and ready to play? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just confused about this. It seemed like I was changing things in the inspector and then I would hit play. It wouldn't actually play the game, but oh. it would like queue it up. Oh. And it would erase whatever I just put into the inspector. Oh, okay. Weird. And then I would hit play again and it would actually play the game. Oh. But. Anyway, I need to play around with it a little bit, but yeah, um, yeah, but the, the, yeah, there, it does take a little getting used to, uh, you know, kind of figuring what does what. Um, this particular issue, I think this right here might be one reason why it's it's nice to kind of supplement. It's nice to kind of draw on like two sources of uh, information while learning about something because yeah, th this these particular little things that are maybe eccentric about how the Unity editor works. I feel like the the Unity tutorials themselves do a pretty good job of, you know, telling you like which buttons to push in which order and all, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so this might be evidence in favor of, of drawing from a couple of different things at once. Okay. Yeah. I think I'll, so before we meet next time, I'll, I'll try to do that. I'll, I'll try to like catch up with you in the unity online tutorials. Yeah. And I can, yeah. I'll have a, yeah, I'll have a look at the book too. There's, there's some stuff that I'm, uh, I'm curious about on the programming side that I'm sure that I, you know, I've gone through the table of contents of the book. And so I know that there's certain like programmy ish topics that I'm totally interested in, but I don't know when I would get to that just doing the, uh, the tutorial pathways on the unity mm -hmm. site. So, you know, like, yep. um, yeah, so there, there's some programming things that, yeah, so I'll, I'll do the same thing, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll do the same thing. We'll, we'll meet in the middle. We'll meet in the middle. Yeah, I think the big takeaway is the book is great. Join the Discord group. There's beyond Harrison. There's really great, smart people in there, and um, yeah, don't sweat it. There's like it, it, there's little idiosyncratic things about Unity, but that's fine. You'll you'll learn. So yeah, have fun. You can, so you can literally start manipulating them little game like on day one. So that's pretty cool. 
it was my experience as well that I was able to, you know, doing my tutorials kind of, it wasn't long before, you know, that you can sort of get a few things on the screen and and start making a couple of things happen when you, you know, hit the play button. Um, it's it, it's pretty exciting. Um, the first couple of things, so there's the mini cart, um, which is great. And it kind of reels you in really quick because they drop you in a game that looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's kind of thoughtfully, you know, like people who like know something about art, worked on this clearly. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, so, so it's kind of satisfying, uh, and the tasks that you have to do are like super simple. So it's really exciting that way. And then as you kind of do, you know, do a few, another, you know, you know, week or 10 days of tutorials, you kind of get to, um, I spent a lot of time over the last couple of weeks doing projects where there was no player input at all. Like, so there's no character in the game, Mm-hmm. That the, the player can manipulate basically all the it's it's really more of like an animation you know like I push yeah. I run the game and I'm putting game in scare quotes I run the game and there's some kind of movement thing that happens on the screen that I in some way determined by you know writing Cody things down as per the instructions in the in the tutorial yeah so so I you do kind of a lot of that one thing that I did think was fun was that. Sometimes these tutorials end on this sort of open-ended note where they're like, okay, so the next step is, you know, just think of some things to do that kind of make use of the skills that we've, you know, the things that we've, we taught you how to add this or make things move, add some other stuff or pick something and make it move in a way that the other ones don't move or do something like that. And so I, um, I researched a little bit and I spent, (laughs) I spent like a ton of time on this thing, but basically it's like a, it's a. I guess they're called, it's a, called a pachinko, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, and I did that, and oh, then yeah, I pachinko. thought, oh, wouldn't it be yeah. cool? Wait, you yeah, did pachinko, I, I, I'm not cool. really sure if it's a, um, yeah, and it kind of just uses like the really super basic kind of physics, game physics that they just sort of have on tap. Dude, pachinko's wild. If you, so can I explain what pachinko is? If Please. I mean, this may be dated. So I would, first time I went to Japan was... Some time ago, (laughs) years ago. And uh, have you been to Japan? I have not. I'd like like to go, though. So at least at that point, pachinko was in like pachinko halls. And they were kind of everywhere in Japan. I kind of I assume they're still there, but maybe not. Maybe this, you know, maybe they've been replaced by something else. It's like they're just like row after row of what look like they they look like sort of vertical pinball machines. They've got these like sort of objects attached to a wall. I'm describing this really badly. It's about the size of like a computer screen or twice the size of a computer screen, but vertically set up on a wall with uh, sort of pinball blockers in it. And you drop, you you just put money in and, a, and balls start falling from the top of the screen or from the top of the the object and then they, they're bumping into these objects. And your goal is to try to get them into this like bucket at the bottom but most of them don't go into the bucket because the the way the like the little blockers are set up, and you can rotate like something. I forget, like you like tilt the screen or something with this little thing, and so people just sit there and put money in for like hours at a time and just like manipulate the little thing. And if you get you know a thousand little wooden balls or something, you can trade it in for money or something like that. So it's um, yeah, people just sit there and like put money in. It's sort of like gambling meets pinball. So anyway. So you made a pachinko machine. It, it, it's 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 super stripped down. There's there's no I, I 
I should say, if anybody is listening to this who actually knows what Pachinko is, like, please correct me. I, I, there's probably somebody listening like, ah, uh, that's not the point of Pachinko. You've completely missed it. Because I actually never played it. So anyway. Well, because I was just about to say, I may, it, it kind of sounds like I didn't exactly know what it was. Um, I can be more specific. But basically, the thing is, is it's like, yeah, there's these sort of stationary objects and you drop a kind of, the stationary objects are arranged in a kind of, um, in a pattern such that a ball or something like that can sort of bounce its way down through these solid, these stationary objects that kind of, you know, direct its path one way or another based yeah, on. Yeah, that sounds like pachinko. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. But there's no player input. But one thing that I thought would be really cool to do, and it took me just like forever to figure out how to do it because I don't, because I'm an absolute beginner at all of this stuff, um, especially the kind of Cody stuff. So, what I wanted to do was I, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if when the ball gets to the bottom and it, it passes through the last, it kind of bounces off the last, goes through the last row of stationary objects right before it goes into the bucket or, you know, whatever. Wouldn't it be neat if like right at that moment, like gravity flips around and it starts working its way back up? Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, wow, and then once awesome. it goes past the top, gravity flips again, and it goes back down through. And so mm. I, it took me like a, <laughs> it took me like a couple of days, a number of hours to of trial and error. But I um, I eventually made use just, of a, just a board flip, or so, or just it, gravity starts flowing. Well, so this is I think this is a great uh, I think it's a great point because um, one of the things that they stress in these kind of tutorials, and I'm sure that this is stressed in the book too, is that there's this kind of, if you can, if you can approach these exercises with, uh, you know, a spirit of, of problem solving and, you know, you expect you, you know, you, you try it and you, you expect that it probably won't work the first time, but that's okay because the plan is try it and then try to figure out what's making it not work and then work on that. And, you know, eventually mm-hmm. it works. Um, but this was a great thing because I had this idea in my imagination. I didn't know how to do it. So I tried a bunch. This is also why it took so long. I tried a bunch of different things. The first thing I tried was I was like, well, I know how to just like directly alter the position of the ball by in the code, just essentially um, overriding the position of the ball, you know? So I was like, oh, I made this complicated thing where like, well, once it, gets down low enough on the screen, like it passes a certain mm-hmm. threshold uh, of, you know, of distance in the space. Once it does that, there's this code that I try to make kick in that starts to kind of move it up along okay. the kind of up axis, but it just totally didn't but, work. But gravity was still pulling it down? Yeah, but gravity was still pulling it down. It was so it just like teleports a, up a step and then falls down and then yeah, teleports or, up a or, step or and falls it kind down. of starts just like wiggling in this like really <laughs> kind of desperate you know, it's fighting way. to get out. It's like, it's fi- <sighs> exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't, that wasn't working. And then I had this brilliant insight. I was like, Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll write a script so that once the ball gets down to a certain point, the entire scene, including the camera flips 180 degrees. So oh, okay. it's upside down. Yeah. But since the camera is also upside down, um, the viewer would never know this. And, mm. you know, so I tried that and I don't remember why it worked, why, why it didn't produce the effect I wanted. Um, yeah, it, it just, it was just like, it was just no good. And then I kind of looked into it online a little bit and I discovered that since I was working in the 2D format, there's this in 2D, when you're working in 2D in Unity, you can, um, 
you can scale the gravity for particular objects. Mm. So you could make a particular object experience game gravity more or less than than you know the baseline. But somebody pointed out that you can give a negative value to the gravity yeah. scale, and that just makes gravity work in the opposite direction. So, so in two D, it's really easy to achieve this. And I eventually, but I had to try a bunch of different things. Yeah, it seems they, like a cool. Did you try like when, one idea that would be cool is um, as the ball gets lower, gravity gets weaker and weaker and weaker until it gets to a certain point, and then it starts going negative, like so, like negative point two five, negative point five. And then negative one, so it's sort of like a like a parabola, it like a, yeah. it's like dropping, 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 slows, and then slowly starts floating up. I don't know. That but, would yeah, no, that, that would be super cool. No, I would love to do that. Um, and you, and go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say with like you know with little little fun projects um, that you do like this, like you can kind of iterate on them a bunch of times, and that's always that's also a, like a fun thing to kind of. Uh, um, you know, to kind of add motivation if you're if you're trying to sort of, you know, learn about some of these things for the first time is that you know these really simple, kind of trivial little things that you do. Uh, if you can if you can get it working doing this really basic thing, then you can add on to it and like add some additional thing. Like you were saying, Finn, like you know, make the gravity kind of slow down progressively until it's barely moving, and then it reverses direction, and then it slowly starts to increase. I guess you would just. Um, yeah, you would just sort of write something where between a certain range um going down, you know, the Yeah, well, I mean, it's scales. The thing the, that comes to mind, I I so I haven't gotten far enough in this. You're way beyond me. But the like programming idea that comes to mind for me is what's called a while loop, I think. Oh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Uh have you heard so. of a while loop? Um, I've, I've heard of it and I, I, to be honest, I haven't used one in a little while. Okay. I mean, that might not be the most elegant solution, but like for like a hacky way that I comes to mind for me as a while loop. So while is like, and I don't know how you do this in C sharp. So I'm curious to find out, but most programming languages have something called a while loop. So a loop is in programming. You say, as long as this condition exists, do this other thing. So it could be counting from one to 10, or it could be, you know, counting by two up to 50 or whatever it is. A while loop says, while this condition is true. So for example, while the ball's uh, y coordinate is above one, then gravity equals one. Oh. And then while the, uh, the, uh, the y coordinate, I'm guessing it's a y coordinate. Y coordinate is between one and 0.5, then gravity equals five. And then while gravity, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, so do a series of like, kind of like divide, like imagine the the space that the ball is going to fall through as having little zones where there's a different yeah. amount of gravity. So you could just have, in JavaScript, you could do this. So I don't know about C sharp, but I'm guessing there's something like, because you could just have multiple whiles just like written graphically one on top of the other. So while the gra- while the y coordinate is this, yeah. gravity is this. While the y coordinate is this, gravity is this. While the y coordinate is this, gravity is this. I don't know how you would flip it, but that could be a fun thing to play around with. Anyway, yeah. here here's a thought. Um I think it might be cool if you could share 
I so I one I think you did share it with me. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but I think it'd be cool if you could share this game in the Discord if you feel comfortable. Sure. Um, and when we publish this, it'd be cool to share this, share your little pachinko game. Because one, I think it could be helpful to other people to be like, oh, cool, you can build this in like two weeks. That's cool. Um, and then two, hopefully we make progress. And like two months from now, you'll come back and be like, oh man, I, could, I totally know how to do this way better. So that's my oh, hope. Yeah. 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 You th- think that'd be cool? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm happy to, um, okay. I'm happy to share that. And, and then if people, you know, if anybody is interested in checking it out and, you know, has uh, the Unity editor installed, you can just, Download the project and fire it up. Yeah, we could see. get feedback from other people. Look under the hood. Yeah, and then, you know, a couple months from now, hopefully we can come back and we're like, oh, now we know for sure. Okay, that was hard, but I totally know. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, cool. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I think it might be cool, unless, do, do, do you think we can move on to the next topic? Yeah, oh, t- absolutely. I was going to say, um, I think it might be cool to talk about what we'd like to do with games. So I think you had a couple of ideas for like thing ideas you wanted to explore. So do you want to chat about those? Like what are some big project ideas that you'd like to explore with games? Yeah. So uh, a project it's not, I don't think at the moment I have any, like a really distinct, interesting project idea other than I would really be interested in learning about how uh, human like behavior is, uh, designed in games for like non-player characters, you know, for mm. example, you know, you're playing a game and the, you know, your enemies or, or just like whoever, you know, or it's like a, a game where you kind of an adventure game and you, you find a village and you walk around and there's, yeah. there's villagers doing villager things, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't, you know, it's like, you know, if you just kind of watch them and if you're usually, if you're not watching them super duper close, it's fairly convincing, you know, they're, they're, be, they're yeah. moving around and, acting in a very human-like way. And I'm really interested in um, what sort of techniques are popular in game development for achieving this. But then I'm also interested in comparing that to my own like philosophical research on how how it is that we think about action and how it is that we think about the mind and the relationship mm. between those two. So I think it'd be really kind of fun to explore building automata in games. Um, mm. I, I'd really like to do that a lot. So really quickly, like if anybody's listening to this and you're not familiar with these terms, you said non-player character, which is sometimes called an NPC. So what's an what's an NPC? Well, as far as I know, um, and I should mention, <laughs> I'm <laughs> in some ways I'm uh, I'm like double or triple the absolute beginner I think Finn than uh, <laughs> than you are because not not only do I not know anything about game development, not only do I not uh, or I'm an absolute beginner with you know coding and, and any all that kind of stuff. Additionally, I'm an absolute beginner with just playing video games. I mean, I started, uh, you know, I picked up a, a, I I got it like a console, you know, at the, at the Mm -hmm. tender age of 43, you know, during the pandemic. And so I was really, yeah, so I'm a a beginner with this stuff as well. Um, But also, anyway, so uh, what I understand so far is that uh, NPCs, non-player characters uh, are um, characters in the game that aren't controlled by a human player, but are just, you know, there's, there's scripts and things that make them kind of walk around and do what they do. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that? Yeah, that I think right? that's right. Okay. Yeah. Like, so if you play a, I mean, any sort of game, but like, I think the, the, yeah, any sort of game, but they, they come up in like open world and like 
role-playing games because you'll like go into the village and like you were saying there's like oh look there's a villager chopping wood and like you can you know depend you know back in the day maybe for very simple role-playing games rpgs you go up to them and you say interact and it the the npc just says hi wonderful day today and you say interact and it goes hi wonderful day today and then you know, more advanced games as games have gotten more complicated then like maybe they do different things if you keep talking to them or like you have to do something else before they, so yeah, they've gotten more complex. So you're saying, uh, then you used another term there. What was it? Oh, uh, uh, automata or automata. So what's that? By automata, I really just meant like, um, yeah, like an automata, I think is the plural of automaton and an automaton Mm -hmm. is basically just like a machine it kind of does what it does, but not because anybody's controlling it in real time, but just because, you know, it's kind of, mm. yeah, a, a machine that kind of um, is set up to like do its own, uh, you know, behavior, if you will. Well, I know that so we don't have to get into it too deeply, but I know that a lot of your philosophical research has been about like philosophy of mind and um, you've tried to explain the hard problem of consciousness to me many, many, many times. And apparently it's way too hard for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the hard problem of explaining the hard problem. Yeah. Okay. So I'm at, yeah, I'm, I need the easy problem of the hard problem of consciousness. So we don't need to get into it too much here, but, <laughs> but it sounds like this is, this could be an interesting, yeah. Like in a game, like how do you know that something's conscious and like what's outwardly indicative of that? Is that, is that kind of what attracts you to this idea? Yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, sort of what's a, attra- I, I kind of feel like, well, obviously one way to study people is to, you know, put up a flyer looking for volunteers to come into the lab and let you study them in certain ways. Um, so yeah, a psychologist might do that. Um, you know, and a philosopher will probably make reference to psychological research, but also just make, uh, you know, arguments that they hope you'll accept just based on your, you know, normal everyday familiarity with what's true about people. Um, alternative, but I, I've been really interested in adding to the, in, in, in addition to those ways of, of, of thinking about people and trying to understand people, um, looking at artists who, uh, so to speak, create people. Like, so for example, mm-hmm. um, I will, I think that we, that we all do this, you know, you, you read a piece of literature in which, there's a character that is very lifelike or, or there's something about the, the, the character that the author created that you recognize as, as being, you know, realistic, you know, true to life or, or, or exhibiting some interesting and precious truth about, about people and about how they are. So there's that, but I was, I've also been interested in how actors understand people's minds and people's behavior, but, and, but also recently I've, I mean, very recently, I've become interested in how video game developers think about people as they, as you're saying, you know, Finn, like, you know, creating these, um, you know, little little sort of animations, you know, animated characters in the game that you can interact with. And that maybe if you you have a, you know, you, you bump into them and you get some options as to how you want to interact with them. And depending on what you choose, they do something and maybe this, you know, the story kind of goes one way, maybe it goes the other way. Um, yeah, so I've been really interested in artistic and engineering disciplines in which human-like machines essentially are. Uh, hopefully, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I think it, I mean, I, I, 
as I mentioned, the hard problem is too hard for me. But <laughs> like, but I do think it's super interesting. Um, I, I like you and I have chatted about this quite a bit because I'm curious about, for example, like Buddhist philosophy and meditation, and so exploring consciousness yeah. from from like, you know, experience uh, myself. Um, so yeah, I think this is super cool. I, I would love to keep talking to you about this. It reminds me before we wrap up. It reminds me of two things. One is that. A dude at Google who said that like a chatbot was sentient or sentient. I don't know if what the de facto both. Yeah, I think it's like debris and debris. You know. Okay. So anyway, it it was alive essentially by you know for people ordinary people. So that sparked a lot of conversation. Um, I think the general agreement is that it's not sentient, Um, Mm. but. but I think it's part of a good conversation because it's like, well, how would we know other than just kind of knowing? Um, like, okay, sure, we, we kind of know in this case it's not actually sentient. But at some point, potentially, we will produce something that's sentient or will seem sentient in every way that we can tell. Like, our intuition will tell us that it's sentient. And how will we know that it's not? Um, so is it murder to turn it off? And do we have to listen to it? Do we have to care what it thinks? What is it, how does it experience the world? I think those things are super interesting. We're not there yet. We're probably decades off from it, but there's no reason to think we wouldn't get to a point where we at least won't know if it's sentient or not in every way possible appear to us. And then the other thing that occurs to me is um, what you're talking about is like sort of the fantasy end of that is like the Westworld situation. Mm. Have you ever watched that show? I have. I have. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not caught up, but yeah, I've, I like Me yeah, neither. I like I've, I've only watched the first season, but um, yeah, I think obviously like the, the end line of that is like, yeah, what happens when like the robot fully in every way is convincing you that it has feelings? Right. Um, and how do you know if it does? Um, and does that matter? Um, so yeah, interesting things that I, I think from what in- interests me about what you're saying is not like you and I are not going to create Westworld, but <laughs> more uh, exploring this idea of like what's what is what appears to be interestingly human to a user. Definitely, yeah, exactly. I th- I think that's a I think that's a really interesting topic. And maybe just uh, before we move on from non-player characters, um, uh, I was going to mention something. If you're also kind of new to you're kind of a, a big, you know, you're new to playing video games uh, like I am. Um, uh, I noticed that there are certain games that I've played um, in, in particular adventure games where, you know, you, it's like you walk into a town and there's, you know, townspeople going around doing townspeople stuff. But I've noticed that sometimes if you walk by certain non-player characters you'll hear like a snippet of some conversation that they're having Mm -hmm. um and so if you stand sometimes it's fun if you just kind of post up somewhere in a town like in a game and just listen to the non-player characters there's one particular game um elder scrolls online where i've 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 heard some really funny stuff because I'll be I'll be basically standing there while I'm going through like it's a really complicated kind of um, role playing game kind of thing where there's mm-hmm. you know you got a huge inventory there's all these skills there's all it, you know the parameters you know going through the, managing things in the menu it can take a while so I'm often standing there for a really long time and I've just heard some funny stuff like <laughs> there was this one where I was like inside like a um, I don't know if it was like a 
you know, what is this kind of thing in fan? It's like a combination of like a inn and a pub and a I don't a know tavern. What tavern, yeah. yeah. So I'm standing in there and it's pretty quiet. There's the crackle of the fire, and then, um, but but people aren't talking. But I'm standing there, and then every probably like two minutes or something, just I'll catch one of the characters, um, kind of unprovoked, saying something like. That's what he said, <laughs> or like <laughs> yeah. something. I did. I did specifically catch a. Um, that's what he said. Yeah, um, well, you know, you know what game is actually pretty great for that. Mm. I mean, there are two come to mind, but one, one particularly is um, Hitman. Oh, which okay. Is, you just it. The game is really perverse. You you're literally an assassin, um, like shooting people with high powered rifles and things. Oh wow! But what's kind of hilarious is they have. Yeah, if you just hang around the NPCs, they talk a lot. Um, so they go through these routines. So they just, it's kind of a puzzle game, actually. It's more than an action game. You're like, the whole idea is you have to figure out exactly when to stand and exactly what spot to not be seen. But there's like some crazy dialogue. So like one one I remember is like, I don't remember exactly, but it was like two NPCs. It was like security guards are talking. You're standing near them. And like one security guard is like, was like, yeah, I got it, you know got to stand up to your landlord sometime. You know, I, I, uh, I couldn't take it. My landlord was telling me to pay the rent every month. And so I set his hair on fire or something Whoa. like that. And then the other guy's like, wow, did that work? And he's like, well, it's a little complicated because he's also my brother-in-law oh. uh, like, or something like that. And you're just like, you know, somebody wrote that and recorded it. And the yeah, characters are the, the like literally standing there and they appear to be talking to each other. I was like, somebody put a lot of effort into this like random conversation that it's entirely possible not to hear. Right. Right. No, I, I that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like somebody wrote that, you know, they hired voice act, you know, they gave this to the voice actors, you know, during one of the recording sessions, um, they did all this stuff, but yeah, there's probably, you can probably play through the game a few times without necessarily hearing. Oh yeah. I mean, that particular like ton bit. and ton of, dialogue that you don't have to listen to in fact none of the mp some of the npc dialogue in hitman is useful because they'll mention things they'll be like oh don't forget the back door is unlocked every time the van is back there oh right right so like hint hint okay yeah yeah you're like okay when i see the van come by then i should sneak around back totally all right well i think i mean unless you have anything else to add i think we could wrap up for yeah I i think that's there's probably a lot of stuff there yeah so um, we'll keep learning. I will do my best to go through the tutorials, make my own pachinko, and um, we can sync up in two weeks. And if you want, you can share in the Discord, and then just we can post online the progress we've made. And I would love to see you know as time goes on, we'll watch the progress that we've made. Awesome. Yeah, I would I would love that too. I'm really really excited to be a part of the project. And yeah, I love uh, love learning things and and talking. You know, uh, two two of my favorites. Awesome. Well, on that note, thanks for talking, man. Thanks for talking, Vin.